Welcome to Dead House. I am Dylan. I am Nathan. We are catching up after somewhat of a big night with friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, some good friends of ours are moving house and they didn't want to have to take their leftover myriad bottles of alcohol with them. So, <laughs> invited yeah. us around to polish it off. That's it. Very kind of them. And uh, you made me a Manhattan. I was going to say, how did you like your first ever Manhattan? It was good. It we thought it maybe was like, I don't know, needed a little something and it reminded me of an old-fashioned, which is probably my favourite cocktail as a whiskey drinker. Yeah, well, I think if I remember correctly, so mm-hmm. an old-fashioned is whiskey. Mm-hmm. Do, does it have to be a bourbon or is oh, it just any whiskey? Oh, generally, generally. Okay, so you got whiskey, it's got a sugar cube, mm-hmm. bitters mm-hmm. and an orange peel. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Sometimes you can add a little bit of water and stir it through if you want. Yeah. But. So, I mean, the only difference is a Manhattan is whiskey- um, bitters, vermouth, mm. and then a maraschino cherry. And it was dry vermouth, right? It wasn't sweet vermouth yeah, or something meant, like that? Yeah, it's meant to be sweet vermouth, but they only had dry vermouth. So okay. I don't we, know, we may I don't do. Know. We yeah. may do. I think we put a, what, a little bit of maple syrup in we it. We did because <laughs> I've had this amazing old-fashioned uh, up in Harvey Bay once, and they put maple syrup in theirs, and it was amazing. So I was like, all right, well, if it needs something, <laughs> let's let's try adding a bit of sweetness since we don't have sugar cubes. Something and it, sweeter. it somehow tasted stronger. After yeah, that. I don't know. I, I don't know what happened there. I mean, you had the cherry and everything. It was... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not a big whiskey drinker at all. Like, that was my first... In the stages of my life, when I first started drinking, I was a whiskey guy. Mm. But then, I think, as happens with everyone, you have too much of it, and then yeah. all of a sudden, you can't stand the taste or smell. I am definitely a little green around the gills today, <laughs> recording this episode. Yeah. But I love... Man, I might... Because I've still got like a jar of maraschino cherries. Okay. So I think I'm just going to go out buy whiskey and vermouth and just have those at home now. And uh, Chris smoked some brisket and Sinead made potato bake. That mm-hmm. that brisket, he was like, oh, I'm sorry, man. It sucks. I was like, dude, this is, I would pay good money for this at a yeah, restaurant. I mean. It was amazing. I suppose if you spend the whole day smoking something and oh, it just doesn't live up to your expectations, it's just like, well, I've wasted my whole day. Yeah. I've heard that from people at work that... Um, smoke different types of meats and, and bring it in to compare and stuff. And apparently it's all in like the, the chips. Like they even use like, yeah, like applewood chips, chips and all this kind of thing. But um, I mean, there's people at my work, my brother included, that smoke meats and stuff. Mm. But I think their logic is like you're just smoking meat all day. It doesn't matter what it tastes like because you're going to be drinking the whole day while you smoke it. <laughs> so it could taste like shit, but you're shit faced by the end of it. Yeah. Okay. I was also going to say it's like with anything slow cooked, it's like, the longer you let something simmer or whatever, like the better it's generally going to get because mm-hmm. it reduces and like draws flavor out and all that shit. But yeah, yeah. no, it was it was delightful. Yeah, it, and, was, it was a good uh, time. It was, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, it was cool to catch up. I suppose we should tell the listeners what we are discussing. Yeah, well, this is a movie that I came across one afternoon randomly mm. uh, on Netflix. It's called The Ritual. The Ritual. 2017 it came out. Yeah, this is another one of those ones uh, that you suggested to me that I hadn't heard of or seen and mm-hmm. thoroughly enjoyed. We seem to be on a on a streak of that at the moment. That's it. Well, just another recommendation that's A grade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was quite impressed. And this was, um, it was kind of modest too. Like I didn't see a whole lot of marketing for it. But, uh, and, and I think you were the only person I had heard about it from. Mm-hmm. But now that it's been around for a while and... And enough people have seen it. Like, I know lots of people that mention this when I say, like, I have a horror podcast. And they're they're like, oh. So it's a bit bit of a sleeper hit. Yeah, yeah. It kind of went under a lot of people's radar. But it's because of that, it's like, it kind of under-promises and over-delivers. Yeah. Well, I was glad that you liked it. Because 
when I first watched it, I'd, I hadn't heard about it. I didn't mm. know what it was. I hadn't seen trailers. I hadn't had anyone talk to me. It was just a pure happenstance where I was scrolling through Netflix and it started auto-playing yeah. a scene from it. I'm like, oh, this looks you know, good. looks all right. I might give it a go. Mm. I loved it, but I was worried that because I went in with zero expectations, it was good. Okay. But then me saying it's good to you, you went in with slightly higher expectations and you still liked it. Yeah, but you deliberately don't hype shit up <laughs> when you suggest things to me. Yeah, I think it's very important if you're suggesting a movie that's really good to someone mm. that you just say, oh, I just think you should see it. Yeah, like, yeah. You, you don't want to go in saying, all right, you will love this movie to blow your mind because mm. then it's never going to live up to that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I suffer from because I'm like super passionate about things I enjoy, particularly when it comes to like movies and music and stuff. And so, like, when I find out someone's interested in something that I love, I'm like, oh, my God, what about this? And you'll love this. And this kind of thing. Whereas you're like, yeah, you, you should watch this. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. And then after they see it, then you yeah. geek out and you're like, okay, so what do you think? <laughs> fucking tell, me what, tell me everything about it. Uh, and and that's is, when you gush. Yeah. And this is a British film, which um, I suppose there's not too many horrors we've discussed that are British. I don't think we've discussed any British horrors. Off the top of my head, I can't think of too many. Maybe apart from, like... 28 Days Later we've mentioned. and Okay, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, it was um, directed by David Bruckner, who also did VHS and the 2022 Hellraiser. Did he do all of VHS or just a segment of VHS? Because I know that I think, movie is like a bunch of segments. Yeah, he did had part different of directors. They had like co-directors, I think, and mm. he was one of, one of them, yeah. Okay. And written by Joe Barton, which uh, screenplay was adapted from a 2011 novel of the same name by mm-hmm. Adam Neville, which uh, kind of want to read. <laughs> okay, I, uh, I I've done that a lot. Like a lot of the books I've read in the last kind of couple of years have been they've inspired like film adaptations that I've really loved. Oh yeah, so, so that, like uh, you like the movie, go back see what inspired it. Yeah, like book. No Country for Old Men and um, The Exorcist, Fight Club, all that. Currently that kind reading of thing. The Shining, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So like this was. Um, and I'd like to see how they kind of would have interpreted it to to be able to to bring it to uh, a cinema because it's like I don't know. There's there's a lot of weird elements in this film that are not necessarily linear and would have been really hard to visualize on a page. Yeah, but they it's very, executed beautifully. Yeah, it's back. I wonder how much they did change it. Yeah, yeah, I'm intrigued to know. I, I can't think of many movie adaptations where they haven't changed it drastically so that it was either better or just worked better on a screen. Mm. Like, well, like I said last week with Jaws. Yeah, and a lot of the time it's just because, you know, a, a book can go into far more detail and have all <laughs> these kind of tangents in the story, whereas in a film you might have like 90 minutes to kind of uh, have these big three acts play out and that's <laughs> kind of all you get, so you've got to trim the fat a bit. But. Uh, no, I think they. I think um, they got quite a lot in this in this film to to have still like an, an emotive story behind just this um, kind of horror action behind mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. Uh, which is really cool. Uh, starring, fuck actors' names. Try man. try some names, will you? Is it Raf? Was Rafe Spall? I was calling guy? him Rafe. Rafe. I mean, he's because he's English, so okay. it's not going to be something weird. Just Let's Rafe. say that. Rafe Spall, we'll say. Spell, wasn't it? Spell? Is that an E or an A? Spell with an A? I don't know. Well, I say yell, you say yell. You get the eh in there. Yeah, you also say, I feel like you also say (laughs) ma'am. Okay. Ma'am. Ma'am. You really do. Get in the car. Yes, uh, so that guy. Um, yeah, so he plays the main character, Luke. Yeah, I feel like I've seen him in a bunch of other shit, but probably just like extras or not extras, but like um, side characters. And, and I can't think 
what the films were because of that. Yeah, I I haven't seen the only person I've seen in any other movie is another actor in this, Sam Trofton or Troton. Mm. I think it's Trofton who plays Dom, the guy with glasses. Yeah, yeah. Uh he was a very oh, I can't even think of what he's from now, goddammit. But he was he was a minor character in something like Money Read another horror movie. Yeah, he was familiar. Um, I did find out though, because his name looked familiar, Trofton. And I was like, Oh, that name sounds familiar. I wonder who's yeah. related to Patrick Trofton. Turns out he is. He's the grandson of the second Doctor Who. Oh wow, okay. Interesting. So, How yeah. many doctors were there? There's like they're oh, up to like fucking th- thirty man, plus now. Aren't I think they? it's on fourteen. Oh, I think it just had fourteen gone fifteen. Oh, really? I yeah. thought there was way more. Like, are we talking no. about like the actors that have played them? The actors that played Doctor Who. Really? Yeah, because oh. when they when they revitalized it, they started at nine. Yeah, and then well, it was Christopher Eccleston. David Tennant was ten, mm-hmm. which is ten, and uh, Matt <laughs> nice. Smith was eleven. Okay. Fuck no, actually, because then, then John the John Hurt was a secret doctor. Ooh, I like that. He was the war doctor before Rip. Christopher Eccleston. Yep. Uh, and then, what's her name? Jodie Whittaker mm. was the most recent one. And then the next one's going to be, oh, I can't remember his name. I've A black. Yeah, I've uh, seen. An um, English guy. It's not fucking Idris Elba. No, no. Because no. <laughs> I, I, I used to religiously watch Doctor Who. I used to think that would have been such a good move. That'd be badass. Because like they'd never done a black Doctor Who. This was before they did a woman Doctor. Mm. It's like, okay, flip the script. Make him black and like who better to do that than the suave motherfucker that is Idris Elba. But yeah, and uh, I suppose we should probably shout out the other two guys as well. Um, <laughs> Asha Ali and Robert mm-hmm. James Collier. Yeah, two of the... Because there's only really four main characters in this movie and they're the, yeah. they're the two lesser of the characters. Like mm. they don't have as much to do. Yeah, it's definitely a f- focus on Luke and... Is it Dom or Tom? Dom. I couldn't quite hear with, in the with film. A D. Dom. Yeah. Um, you could definitely see why they chose to keep those two as the main focus because of the tension between them from uh, yeah, obviously yeah. that opening scene that carries out but that's it um i suppose a little more background on this it was shot in the carpathian mountains of romania romania which is pretty cool um i would assume it's generally snowing there so i don't know if they filmed this in spring or summer or uh i don't know what? geography so i don't even know where romania is or romania what the, what the weather is like there <laughs> isn't romania where like um that's Dr- not where Dracula's the, castle Okay, I was, was. going to say that's not where. Isn't that is Transylvania? It? Well, Transylvania is that a country? I thought that was a city. Oh fuck! I don't know, man. Fuck, we suck at geography. Um, <laughs> it was shot in a two to one aspect ratio as well, so very wide framing. Very wide, which it kind of lends itself to this movie because it's very mm. wide open hills. Because yeah. in the story, they're um, hiking in Sweden. Mm. In something that's called the King's Trail. Yeah, and yeah. And so it's just these giant, wide-open, rolling hills. Mm. So it'd be good to get that sense of open air. Yeah, just the expansiveness. And I think also on the, on on one hand, the expansiveness of, of how isolated they are mm-hmm. um, and how, like, they even say insignificant, they mm-hmm. feel. Yep. But on the other hand, when they're, like, going through trees and it's just, like tree after tree after tree and all these rows that all look the same mm-hmm. um, and then it's kind of like the opposite of that where it almost feels claustrophobic yeah it's definitely it, it's a strange sensation because it's it's a giant wide open forest that mm. feels claustrophobic but it's mm. not like you're trapped in there's open spaces it's just full of and those trees it's like the same style I think they use in a lot like Blair Witch yeah where it's like just the, the giant skinny trees with lots of dead branches so there's no leaves yeah like there's something like about deciduous. those trees that looks creepy well even um, like you just mentioned how it's set in Sweden um, and the trees kind of look like the ones that you see 
in the Blair Witch Project. This film is kind of like Blair Witch meets Signs on the set of Midsummer. It is like the vibe I got. I, I can get that except for Signs. How do you get Signs in there? <laughs> just like because you just want to shoehorn Signs yeah. into anything. <laughs> it's just like the glimpses of when you see the creature. It's just kind oh, of like the very, way the way yeah. that it appears. Okay, and no, I'll the I'll sounds. Give you that. Yeah. I couldn't find anything on the budget, but I presume it would be in the millions. The only thing that I saw was about a million, but I could not corroborate yeah, wow. that anywhere. So, okay. Because I think it was an indie film. Mm. Like, it wasn't any big budget. Yeah, that'd be why it was sold to Netflix. Kind of like Creep. Yeah, yeah. Just this indie director, indie studio makes it, and then mm. Netflix likes it, and they... I guess would have been lucky to get back their budget because I don't know how much a box office either. Yeah, well, I I found it made one point seven five million at the box office, but they okay. sold it. Um, they sold the exclusive rights to Netflix for four point seven five million. Okay, so a fair bit. So they definitely made their money back, surely. Yeah, because it wouldn't have cost more than that to make. There's not much to this movie, and this seems to be quite a divisive film online. Like I was saying at the start of this pod, everyone I've spoken to about this film really enjoys it. But when you look at reviews online, um, people either love or hate it. Yeah, I, I was looking at it this morning, actually. I looked up one review. And it's, it reminded me why I don't like looking at reviews online. Yeah. Because it was, it was the review that's on RogerEbert.com. Okay. Well, Roger Ebert being a very famous um, movie critic. Mm. And it, this wasn't by him. I think he might be dead now. I think um, so, yeah. But it was someone on that website. And they, they gave it like a two out of five stars. Hmm. But they hated it. And like they were saying... So they were too like subjective. I mean, I know it's art, but... The way... And I, I hate to critique this man whose job is to critique movies mm. for a living. He probably knows it better than I do. <laughs> uh, I can normally say that much. But the way that... There were things that he saw in the movie that I didn't get at all. Like he was talking about how he didn't like that the four main characters were these like testosterone-fueled like manly men. And it's like, you don't get that feeling at all. No, I, I didn't and get he that was, He was saying how he didn't like at the end how the way like to win is to just punch your way through and shove your emotions down, which I didn't get that at all in this movie. No, that's kind of like what the whole point of the final yeah. act was. So I don't know if he... <laughs> Interesting. Just, I don't know. I feel like I don't want to attack that guy at all, but I just feel like he probably put his own problems yeah. into the movie yeah. and read too much into things that weren't actually there, like maybe, we often do. Maybe it was more of a mirror for that particular critic. Yeah, potentially. I mean, everyone's entitled. He to was. Their own he opinion. was also saying that I think he liked Dom the most, the guy with glasses. Oh, okay. which I did not get. Did you get Jaden vibes from him? I really <laughs> did. I really did. Apologies uh, to our friend Jaden, but even when he won't be listening. Yeah, even, yeah, true. even when I was watching, that's it, why he reminds us of Jaden. <laughs> <laughs> even when I was watching it um, with Alex, I mean, even she was like, "Does this remind you of Jaden?" Yeah, that's funny. And I was like, "He does. Yeah, he really does." The premise is these four friends that go on a hiking trip through Sweden, um, as you said, to kind of honor their friend that was killed, yes. which you see in like the opening sequence of the film. Yes. Because um, I think the opening scene is them at a pub, like debating what they're going to do for their next trip, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just setting up the whole movie. They're debating where to go for the next boys trip. Mm. And almost everyone wants to go to like Vegas or Amsterdam or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Except for this one guy. And I can't remember his name. Cause was it Robert? Sure, let's go that. Um, <laughs> Bob. Bob. Yeah, it's Bob. Um, Bob's the only one who wants to go on like this hiking trip, mm. and then he's soon after killed, murdered in a in a liquor store robbery. Yeah, gone wrong, I guess. And so, like nobody who's left want to go on the hiking trip, but they're doing it as like a memoriam to him. Like, all right, mm. we'll do it for him. Put well, they don't have his ashes or anything, but 
they, they go up like there, a, have like a memorial for him on top of a hill. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like how they make like a can like out of the rocks and they each take like a swig of that whiskey or whatever and then just like pour out the rest. Pour one out for my homies, yep. yeah. Yeah. That, that was I nice. I did laugh though because I, I, I feel like when they filmed it, they lingered on it. For a couple of seconds to make it a bit funny, right? Because he's standing there pouring it out of a flask, and it just keeps and it coming just keeps and coming. Going. <laughs> and it's like you think it's gonna end. It's like oh, a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. No, that was kind of funny. I mean, that's um, the only bit of comedy in the movie, though. Like this yeah. is a, it's a bit of a it's like, pretty grim, pretty pretty grim movie. Yeah, yeah. A lot of grave countenances. I mean, when if it, when I'm it, to it opens quote my old with books. one one of the characters getting like murdered in, from a head wound, yeah, you know, what yeah. more can you expect? Yeah, and, and I guess the, the way that it ties in um, to the horror aspect is they kind of find this, would you call it like a paganistic cult in the forest? Yep. And they kind of like worship this ancient god that's kind of like a... They kind of have like glimpses of it throughout the film, but the big reveal at the end shows like a kind of uh, elk-looking creature with mm-hmm. like a faceless woman like dangling from its head. And she's kind of like the driving force. I wouldn't say da- faceless woman. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's it's a very. I really like the monster design. It's very much like a Lovecraftian kind of. Yeah, well, the, they drew inspiration. It's in the movie. It's meant to be what's called a Jotun, mm. a Jotun, which is like a giant. Okay. Um, and I think specifically, I don't know if they mentioned the movie, but looking behind the scenes, I think its name's Moda, mm. which is Norse for mother. And I think it's actually meant to be the bastard son of Loki. Oh, okay. Who's obviously the god of trickery. Yeah. Um, that makes yeah, sense because it, it's deceptive in the way that it like presents itself as Dom's wife. Yeah. In yeah. the end. Um, and so, yeah. So, it's this giant like, I don't know, bigger than a build. It's like a one-story building. Mm. Elk looking thing with no head. Its entire head is like a torso. Because, you know, like when they found that thing in the cabin mm. that... They ended up praying to. Yeah. That's its head. Like right. That, like when, when it shows it later, that's what its head looked like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it's got like Jawa eyes where it's like chest should be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's it's a CG creature and I usually hate CG with mm. a passion. But this one, they couldn't have done it with practical effects. No. I don't think that would be way too unfeasible. Yeah. And I think it looks real enough. I'm happy with it. Mm, I was wary of that because, like, with monster films, it's either got to be part of a human or, like, a bunch of humans mushed together, like, fucking The Thing or Evil Dead Rise (laughs) or something like that for it to be, like, practical effects. Otherwise, I feel like you kind of have to to use CGI in this day and age for it to be, like, convincing. Well, especially with the size of it. Yeah, like yeah. If it's, if it's humanoid size, you can get away with it for sure. Mm. Uh, but anything that big but can I, be very difficult, especially yeah. with the budget that they had. Yeah, and but no, I didn't think it was corny at all because um, mm. I was kind of worried first time I saw this um, getting near the end and you can kind of see its full body and kind of the shot lingers on it and uh, it's not just glimpses or parts of it anymore. I, I was... Like, oh man, is this going to be really cringe just watching this thing lumbering around? <laughs> but it it's still quite intimidating, and um, because a lot of it's at night too, when when you sort of see its whole form, just makes it more kind of eerie. Mm-hmm. I also feel like it's like the movie's not so much about that creature, so it's not yeah. the main focus. It just happens to be the thing that's hunting them, mm. for, for lack of a better word. 
it's definitely more so about the character arc of the main guy, Luke, mm. and his kind of redemption. Yeah, which I'll, I want to talk about that because throughout the movie, like at the start of the, the movie when the robbery goes wrong, mm. he's in the store with his friend hiding behind a shelf. And he sort of has this moment where he's got a, a bottle of vodka and he's thinking about stepping in and trying to defend himself or defend his friend. Yeah. But he doesn't. And so throughout the movie, like some of the other characters blame him for not helping. Mm. They question how come you had no blood on you, you yeah. know, while this other guy died. Yeah. And even towards the end of the movie, his arc essentially is finally standing up for himself mm. and defending himself. But I don't agree with that. Because if you're in a robbery, like the best thing to do, and I might just be a pussy, the best thing to do is just completely like go with it. Mm. Nothing is worth your life. When it comes to that, don't try and defend yourself. If somebody's got, what does he have, a machete or something? Yeah. Like, and they're asking for your stuff. Your life isn't worth a wedding ring. They like slash him over the face and then yeah. he like looks up and just fucking buries it in his neck or yeah, whatever. So but he, I, I feel like he definitely doesn't deserve the hate that he gets from especially uh, Dom. Yeah. Like, and especially when you find out later that, um, well, not find out, but later when Dom is put in a similar situation mm. where, oh, is it... Asha Ali's character who gets taken? No, Hutch. No, after that. Like, Asha Ali's character oh, is still alive. Yeah. And then Dom and Luke. Yeah, it's yeah the, Luke. they're the last like, three and he gets, like, all of a sudden yanked in yeah, the dark. and then they're like, nah, we'll... Fuck, no, nah, I did it. It was wrong. It's when Hutch is taken in the middle of the night and they go running after him and then Dom's the first one to say, we can't be out here. We have to go back to the tent and then look for him. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's the first one to say... No, this is too like too dangerous, essentially. Which mm. is kind of a smart decision, but I don't know it's a bit hypocritical to to yeah. say, you know, okay, to well, be to be angry at Luke for not standing up when he didn't. Yeah, I've got a couple things to unpack there. Then that you <laughs> that you've touched on that I I wanted to explore was like back when you were saying in the situation of a robbery, like the best thing to do is follow their demands mm-hmm. because, like you said, money's not worth a life. All this kind of thing. In a way, it's kind of the other guys other guy's responsibility that he yeah. died because all they asked was for his wallet and his wedding ring and he was like, no, I'm not giving it to you. Well, he, he gave him the wallet and then they said you have anything else and then they want his wedding ring but he yeah. says, no, you can't take my wedding ring. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, prop, <laughs> props to the man for standing up for, you know, a sentimental ornament like that but I don't want to sound harsh but <laughs> l- like you said, if you're in that situation, do what they say, like get insurance money after the event has, <laughs> you know, um, well, I don't think wedding rings are insured, are they? I would assume you can insure jewelry. Just have okay. Hot tip: don't buy an expensive wedding ring. <laughs> <laughs> Easy, done. Just get a band tattooed around your finger. Yeah, but that's a bit more permanent. When you get divorced. <laughs> you want to make sure they're the one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in a way, um, he kind of wasn't fully in the wrong. The other guy should have just handed it over, and then mm. maybe they would have gotten out unscathed. But no, it, it definitely does set up the whole point i guess of the like the underlying themes of the film where there's this guilt um this crippling guilt that he kind of carries around um but then the other thing that you were saying just then is where one guy goes missing and um they kind of start just darting out into the forest in search of him following his voice or whatever and then dom's like no no no, we've got to be smart about this something i kind of picked up on in this film which i think a lot of people criticize as well um those online that were not a fan is that it's it's a clever film like it's a smart idea and the characters are like self-aware and it kind of addresses it in a tongue-in-cheek way where they're like oh this is the 
house we get murdered in when they like <laughs> walk into that Blair Witch looking yep. house and or you know when um they start taking that shortcut and the main guy Luke is like oh wouldn't it just be easier if we go back to where we were and take the long way around because all this weird shit's happening so like they're aware mm. that like well he doesn't say it'd be easier he just thinks oh, it's a better idea yeah it's just smarter but yeah, yeah I just find that odd like that they're conscious that what they're doing is stupid from the outside looking in, but they yeah. still make bad decisions. Yeah, well, that was another thing that the the review I was reading like really hated about it is that they were making such stupid decisions. Mm. But I don't feel like they were that dumb. Like, if you've got someone who's limping because they've done their meniscus, as he says, mm. and like, I don't know, everyone, like all three of the boys are kind of thinking, oh yeah, he's just putting it on complaining but you see that you see his knee later and it does look really bad yeah it's like inflamed yeah so like they kind of give him shit but he he probably shouldn't have been walking up for that long so it is a good decision to Mm. try and cut down the time of walking in like that instance well that's why i really like the line when they're in the house i think it's before um all the weird shit happens in the house but uh they're like around the campfire and the man guy hutch not the man guy so he's like the you know the leader or whatever yep the guy that's got the he's my favorite. The map. He's, he's my favorite character, by the way, in this movie. Okay, um, and he's like, "Oh, we we got to go this way. It's a shortcut." And then the other guy is like, "Oh, well, <laughs> when I was in Scouts, they said um, if a shortcut was really a shortcut, it'd be called a route." <laughs> well, he said route, a route, but yes, <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was that was funny. Um, yeah, and it's it's true. Yeah, it's, it's true. There's usually a reason why it's not a shortcut. But yeah, the film as a whole kind of just explores like the grief and trauma, um, and the whole ancient god and paganistic cult thing in this forest just kind of gives it context Mm -hmm. so yeah that's interesting i mean i know like we've said in other episodes of this pod that like a lot of modern horrors definitely focus on grief and use that as a medium to kind of get their original concepts across Mm -hmm. uh which in a way kind of seems overdone but i don't know this one just comes off differently and and yeah maybe it's because this one isn't so much the grief it's like grief and regret and yeah. blame and guilt regret for sure it's, like, not, it's not just oh our friend died it's okay the friend died but one of the characters um you know he thinks it's his fault the mm. other characters think it's his fault um even hutch says during the memorial like he was the best of us mm. like they have to you know rap with the fact that why him instead of yeah. you know one of the one of them there's like an imbalance that needs to be corrected like mm. in their minds to kind of uh i don't know r- restore they need to like restore the harmony i guess in the friend yeah. group yeah because he was like the peacekeeper he was like the placid one like mm-hmm. everyone else was suggesting things like vegas and amsterdam to get high or gamble and he's like let's go hiking and explore nature yep, you know what yep, i mean like yep. and um i also like that they show throughout the film luke kind of standing aside from the pack smoking cigarettes and I kind of read into that as the bad habit being like a metaphor for his guilt slowly killing him. And Damn, if he that is very deep. Okay. And like it will it will destroy him unless he stops, but only he can choose to stop it. Good lord, that is some next level <laughs> looking into it. I did not see that at all. I mean I, it might not have been. I no, I do like that. That's very good. I saw a different metaphor with the with the smokes. Okay. It's Kind of similar. No, it's not similar. It's that I just said you're looking into this too much. Maybe mm. I am. But every time he's having a smoke off to the side, he's like physically away from the group smoking. Yeah. yeah. And so that it's a metaphor for like when you're smoking, you can't smoke near people. Otherwise, mm. you're an asshole. So you go off away and you're like an outside. Yeah. And it's kind of so he's doing that where he is actually emotionally 
outside of the group as mm. well as physically because he's smoking. Yeah, and I also like having Dom's knee injury in there from like early in the trip because it makes them more vulnerable, obviously mm-hmm. slows them down when it's not just, you know, rough conditions because it's dark and wet and mountainous uh, hillsides that they're climbing, but it's also got this creature that's stalking them like prey. Um, it just kind of raises the stakes. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool. And also the the banter between the group is just relatable <laughs> as like, you know, the boys kind of thing. Yeah, like when I'll, you hang out, I'll insulting get- each other's mother and giving <laughs> them shit. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because maybe that's the reason like we like this movie so much is because it's a group of four guys mm. just on a trip having banter. Yeah. Whereas we're in a friend group of like four, bo- well, we have more friends, but you know, four boys, the boys. So like I could see us as this group. Yeah. And I also like that a lot of the dialogue is natural. Like it's probably mm. scripted. It doesn't come off as as improvised, but it um it's it's the way that like the guys would speak to each other if you're just kind of hanging out or mm. you come upon a problem. Um, just the the way that they go about <laughs> it is just funny. Yeah. But and also I just like the British slang and their terminology. Of yeah. Things. Like yeah. what's that bit where he's like. This fucking mountain can lick my bridge. He's oh like, yeah, bridge. what do you mean lick your bridge? My gooch. <laughs> Yeah, that was good. Yep, yep. Well, something that I wanted to uh, mention as well, we already kind of spoke about the deciduous trees and how those eerie, like, twig-like branches just kind of look like skeletons and Mm -hmm. um, they're, like, naturally creepy. I also like that this creature, like this god um, that's in the forest has antlers and they kind of blend in. So, like, there's a lot of shots where... Naturally camouflaged. Yeah, it'd be, like, a static shot of these trees or it'd be, like, slowly zooming in and you don't know if you're, like, if it's meant to be there and you're, like, looking for it for a good few seconds. I think those are the best scares Mm. that I think because they're not not jump scares in, the like, a similar sense of something jumps out and says rah. Yeah. It's, like, something that is always there in the background and it takes you a second to notice it Mm. and then that's where, like, the scare is because I feel like that's the most natural scare that we have in real life. Yeah. Like there's been times fucking usually with fucking spiders yeah. where like, fuck you, you're just like, you're looking at something and then it takes you a second to realize there's a danger on it. Like mm. a fucking huntsman. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get that jolt and it's like, well, it was always there. It's just that now that you're aware of it, it's scary. Have you ever been like staring out a window or into a car or something <laughs> in the middle distance? And after a few seconds, you realize someone is staring back at you. <laughs> No, no, I've been lucky. In so that awkward. Because yeah. I used to, yeah, I used to in like high school, I used to just zone out all the time. Yeah. I was in class, he was staring off. Until we had a class together. <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite shot in this whole film is one of those shots where it's a long shot, slowly zooming on these trees. And then the group like appears, like weaving between them, slowly coming towards the camera. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 Nicely cause it, done. Because it tricks you. It's like, you think it's just an established shot of the forest. But then you realize it's looking back at them. Mm. Yeah, it's very beautiful. Well, at first I thought it was like the thing that was following them. Because you only see like these sort of black shapes moving and then they Mm. sort of come into the foreground. It was just, yeah, really well done. And it must be after that. They're sort of on the first or second day of the hike or whatever. And they find that like sacrificial deer Mm -hmm. looking thing like splayed out in the branches fucking 10 feet off the ground and its entrails spilled out on the ground. Yep. Pretty gnarly. Uh, and that's kind of what happens to, unfortunately, like half, half the people. Oh, well, th- three of them, isn't it, in the end? Yeah, okay, yeah. Oh. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, all, three. yeah three of them because they later explain, like, the, the pagan people that that's, like, their offering. They mm-hmm. kind of do that as a sacrifice to the god. 
Well, the god is the one who does that. I mean, we call it oh, a god. True. It's not. It's not necessarily a god. It's like a no. I think in lore, it's, it's like a giant. Yeah. Okay. This but, like yeah, it, mythological. It, it they offer it to them, and then it picks them up and puts them in a tree. Just so like impales them. Some strange reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, you know, there's fucking like um, paperweight things with the spikes sticking out. And you put like dockets <laughs> over them. Just... Those are uh, yeah. Those those make you cringe. <sighs> I've seen the butterfly effect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and we touched on it earlier, but I love those, well, I was going to call them dream sequences, but there's only once when it's like a dream sequence, right? With like the liquor store flashbacks. Twice, but yeah. Yeah. Well, cause and- I'd, cause I'd say the very first scene of the movie when that happens, like that is a dream. He's cause he immediately wakes up. Oh, okay. So it's almost True. like he was dreaming of that and then True. he's awake, but it just serves as like a flashback to give us context. See, that's good because it's not like one of those ones where something's happening and then they wake up and it's like, Oh, it was all a dream. Mm. It's like, it was a dream of a memory. Yeah. So it actually yeah. happened. So it's less, it's not like tacky. Yeah. Um, but I like when they're in the house and he has that, and he opens the door and it's like opening the door to like a cool room. Yeah. With beers and shit. I like that. I like it better later in the movie. Like the last time he has a sort of, not, not a vision, like hallucination, whatever the fuck it is. Mm. Where, and I don't know, maybe there's something in to read into that as well. Where the first time he dreams of that, it's, he goes from the cabin into the liquor store and it's just a liquor store. Yeah. Whereas later in the movie, there's more of a blend of like, it's the oh. forest, but then there's aspects of the liquor store in there. That is nice. Yeah. So it's like, it's bleeding from the past into the present mm. or from his subconscious into the real world. And the floor of the store is like the earth. Yeah. And there's yeah. grass and dirt and shit. That yeah. was cool. I wonder how they, do you reckon that was like CGI or do you reckon they like just covered the floor of a liquor store with like dirt and I don't know. I didn't, I didn't pay enough attention to his feet to notice if he was like actually yeah, working on yeah. it or not. And I also like when he grabs the vodka bottle and there's like the blood drop clouding yeah, in it. Yeah. That was cool. I don't know how they would have done that, but... Maybe that was CG as well. Yeah. Maybe that was artificial, but that was sick. But that, and... that, uh, I got to praise that whole sequence of the, the first night in the cabin. Because yeah. I think when, when I first watched it, that's the scene that made me want to recommend it to you. Okay. Because okay. it's... Like the psychological aspect. It's a psychological aspect. Like I'm a, I've, I've said. <laughs> <laughs> Speak, my boy. I've said before many times on the podcast. I'm a big fan of like show up, uh, not show don't tell, but uh, what you what you don't see is yeah. scarier than what you do see. For sure. And so you're looking at it from this perspective of his dream mm. that turns out to be somewhat real because he has actually been sleepwalking outside. Mm. Mm. And when it snaps back to real life, it's the next morning. And he goes back in the cabin and there's all this other shit that's happened that you didn't see. And it yeah. completely leaves up to your imagination to think, what the fuck happened? Like, yeah, the, everyone like wakes up in distress. Yeah, like screaming, pissed his pants. The other guy's screaming in the corner. And then the uh, Charlie's character who gets the worst of it is upstairs yeah. naked praying to the fucking thing in the attic. It's almost like a Wicker Man looking thing, but yeah. it's like holding the antlers above the head. and Yeah, and it's just like, if they had showed what would happen, mm. what happened that night, it would not be anywhere near as effective as like, oh no, the, the confusion that you get of like, what the fuck happened last night? And also when he comes to and he's outside that cabin, oh, I, I might be misremembering it, but it, it snaps to and he's looking ahead into the forest. Does, do you see the thing like, you don't running away through you, you the don't, trees. You don't explicitly see it, but you see like twigs breaking, and you hear them breaking, and you see oh, there's like movement, movement, like you, okay. yeah, to to signify like something was there. Yeah, because he, he's the only one that thinks that he. Everyone else doesn't believe him yet. Yeah, because they go outside, and there's like a path of like cleared trees, isn't mm-hmm. there? And like broken stumps and torn up ground and everything. Mm-hmm. But he's also got this like 
mark on his chest. It was like the five dots or whatever. That yeah, where it's like something's dug into him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that was meant to be like talons from a hand or whether it was like a rune that they kind of... Because they find runes like carved into the trees yeah. the night before. It's not any runes. It's because you find out later that everyone in the village they find has that same mark. Oh, true. So like the whole part of the end of the movie is it's like this creature God has chosen him to be his newest worshipper, mm. which I think implied or inferred that it gives them extended lives because there's that attic with all the like desiccated people I wanted that to talk alive. about that. Well, we can talk about that later because we're not there yet. All right, because I had a theory and I feel like ours might be the same. Okay. But we'll, um, we'll come back to that. Yeah, and so the, like the creature's chosen him out of all these other people. Mm. And I love too that you're looking at it from his perspective, but like there's three other perspectives that it doesn't show you. Yeah. And it's because it slightly, it, it eventually tells you what one of the guys Dom dreamed about, mm. but it doesn't tell you what Luke was dreaming about that made him piss himself or yeah. it doesn't tell you anything from oh, the perspective what was of Arsh Ali's. Hutch? Oh, Hutch, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, doesn't tell you anything about Arsh Ali's character. Mm. He just says like repeatedly afterwards that he can't get that like image out of his mind. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, there's these three other people that experience something Presumably worse than what Luke experienced. Mm, they're just rattled. But, but it just doesn't show you. Yeah. And I like when they kind of set up... I think it's when they set up camp that night and, you know, Dom's leg is like hell inflamed. He's struggling to walk. Um, Phil is like still freaking out about like <laughs> coming to naked and grimy praying to yep. this thing in the attic. Uh, so Hutch like pulls Luke aside and he's like, all right, look, um, while we're asleep, I want you to take the map. I want you to take the compass. I'm going to stay here with these guys because they can't walk. You're the strongest out of all of us. I want you to like go to that ridge and like keep going southwest or whatever and like find help and, and come back for us. Um, but then I think that's the night when Hutch gets taken anyway. Yeah. And they like find the the tent torn with blood in it or whatever. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's... that's um, When that all goes down and when they find him... It's like the same kind of sacrificial position as that animal they find earlier, mm-hmm. but his is more like clinical because I think, I don't know if it's because it wasn't as fresh because when they show the shot of the animal at the start, the blood is like still dripping. Yeah. Whereas his is like, it almost looks like an autopsy. Like his skin's been like peeled back aside from his torso and I don't know, there's like no innards. It's all just like cleaned out. And Maybe it's just like the next step. Like the first step is offering an animal. The next step is human and then you make it worse. I don't know. Maybe it's food. <laughs> I mean, it could be. Shish kebab. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't actually show you what the creature does mm. other than put them on a tree. Yeah. Just and save the, them for later. And there's some really cool moments in this film, like some little scares, like obviously the hand scene mm-hmm. where he's like staring off and... I forgot like when the fingers kind of peel away, mm-hmm. he flinches. But then you see the whole like fucking fifteen foot figure like move after that as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. That was critical. Um, and also, you know that bit later when it's kind of a static shot of them mm. walking up the hill, and then like without the camera moving, the thing just moves away from the background. So it was yeah. just like staring there without the viewer knowing because it camouflage looks like trees. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Really well done. And what about like when they're in the the village? I like when uh what's his name? Dom and Luke are held captive and this old lady just like shuffles in, like speaks in another language, like gives him some water, walks to the other guy and walks out. And yeah. That's 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 the scene. Yeah. Like it's so fucking weird. Well, because that's establishing that she knows because she sees the mark on his chest. Yeah. So like he's special 
and then goes to see Dom. He doesn't have the mark, so he's not special, so he's not worth mm. giving water or anything to. Yeah. And oh, what about when they're tied with their hands behind their back and he has to, like, break his fucking Dislocates thumb? Dislocates his thumb, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's gnarly. The pop sound. And- yeah. For some reason, oh. I was expecting, because the type of shot it was, like, it was a pretty wide shot looking at him. In my memory, I guess I remember wrong, I, I was expecting him to grab his thumb and then, like, fall back on it. To oh. like break it. Oh, okay. Which, like use the force. Yeah. What? <laughs> Luke. Use the force. Oh, uh, his name is Luke. That's oh my god. He's working on so many levels. Um. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. That's probably a bit aggressive. Like you don't need to do that. But yeah. I guess I've seen that in another movie. Because he's trying to be like discreet as well. Oh, it's Dexter. I've seen it in Dexter where he's tied to a table. Right. And so he like knocks it sideways so that it breaks or dislocates oh. his wrist so that he can get it out. Have you seen Gerald's Game? Yeah, that's a, that's a good like movie. Like that handcuff scene, she has to like deglove her hand to get out. Ugh, yeah. That's, that's rough. That's rough sound design for that, I think, yeah. specifically. Very squelchy from memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, was that Mike Flanagan as well? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. He's a big Stephen King fan. Before they take Dom and kind of torture him to put him up as this kind of sacrificial offering, um, which I said to you the other day, like reminded me a lot of King Kong when they've yeah. got the chick tied yeah. to the beam. And then this big creature comes and gets it. Yeah. Yeah, and it is this cool moment between those two characters where he, like, finally forgives him because he can see that Luke is, like, standing up for himself. He's trying to help his friends. He's mm-hmm. trying to get them out of this situation. And he can kind of, like, see his true value, mm-hmm. that that worth in him that he kind of, like, gave up on, on himself. Yep. Well, also because he's been put into a situation that's not similar, kind of, but, like, where mm. he's now on the sideline and had to experience other friends dying around him. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, okay, maybe... It's like easy to be on the outside saying mm. you should have done this, but if you're in that situation, it's a bit more real. Yeah, and I suppose we should probably get to that scene that we touched on earlier when he kind of frees himself from the rope and the creatures come and everyone's occupied with that outside the house and he finds this room with like the guns and stuff and um, <laughs> the old lady comes back, like walking <laughs> up the stairs. He just freezes her out, fucking punches her in the face. Yeah. Okay, that was another moment of comedy. There you go. I, I laughed very hard at that. Yeah, because, I don't know, as bad as it is, there's kind of something funny about an old lady getting punched in the face. <laughs> it was a good punch. <laughs> um, and, yeah, he goes upstairs and finds that room because there's that, like, prayer or that chanting, mm-hmm. but opens the door and they're all just corpses. Yeah. That was eerie. That was almost like there was a spell or something. Yeah, they would do it a chant and then opens the door and it's dead silent. Yeah. And then they slowly start moving. Yeah. So what my theory was, was because before this moment, one of the villagers that speaks English to Luke says how they worship this ancient god because it lets them live beyond their natural life. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if maybe everyone in those pews in that room were like their real bodies or whatever, and they were, they were decaying in mm-hmm. real time, but they're maintaining their youth as the, the people that are walking around outside? Or do you reckon that's just like a weird procession they do for their elders? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't buy into that. Cause okay. So you're saying their physical form is stuck in a church decaying, mm. but then they have like this astral self, for lack of a better word, out there walking about worshipping? <sighs> Yeah, that's a bit know. that's a bit too far fetched for my liking. I like it to be a bit more grounded in reality. That's kind of like a picture of Dorian Gray. Spin. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't really know what to read of that church scene, other than like it provides long life and almost like they're trapped there because 
all the like especially that girl who does speak english mm. definitely gives off a sense of like she's trapped there it, like kind of by choice but not by choice like yeah because the only other choice is death because so she, she's being held captive but she goes with it yeah because she's not malicious like some of the others yeah but she's also not like helping him escape yeah. she's just kind of like oh look it's not as bad as you think it is we just kind of worship <laughs> this big creepy looking thing and yeah. go so, about our business i do love her do love ho i love me some ho <laughs> um i do love though that as soon as he goes in there he he kind of like acts in a way that's just pure confusion mm. and he sells it because he goes upstairs and see these sees these desiccated corpses coming back to life he just very slowly like almost unsuredly sets them on fire yeah so he's not like he's not because they've started star. moving at that point haven't they yeah they've started moving them, so like, no wonder he was fucking freaking out yeah but he's that's the thing he's not freaking out he's almost calm and it's just like what the fuck is going on oh, I'm I just gotcha. gonna burn this right. and he's yep. like completely just acting on pure like confusion at that mm. point he doesn't have a plane he's just going with it well, this... and then he goes back down finds a gun and is like alright goes with it yeah because I guess apart from maybe putting everything that happened in the house down to like hallucinations or nightmares which they say mm-hmm. this is the first thing that happens that's kind of supernatural mm-hmm. yeah or you know spiritual I guess and yeah maybe he's like right what am I fucking with here if I burn this yeah. like and this coming it, out of voodoo like, shit it's like he, do- like he doesn't know what's gonna happen he's like mm. alright what if I burn them yeah and then later when he has the gun outside and looks back at the the that's my favorite shot of the oh, movie where that it's was the, a the burning shot. burning hut house with like the creature which no it's not the first time you see it in full but mm. just like with the burning house in the it's background it's like a side profile but like silhouette yeah that yeah. that would be my framed painting from this episode um <laughs> And then he stops and kind of dumbs decision realistically, and he shoots it. But it's he's got the same look on his face of like, what happens if I shoot it? Yeah, he's like testing the waters. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, I, probably I not didn't... a good idea when you only have one bullet left. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really sort of um, recognize that when I was watching it, but you sort of describing it that way definitely makes sense mm. and makes it more relatable again as to like if you're in that situation. Yeah, like he's not. He doesn't become this unrealistic action star where he's mm. you know punching old ladies in the face <laughs> and uh and like taking down this creature yeah and that's another thing i love about the movie is that he doesn't beat the creature because mm. it's it's otherworldly it's godly it's like he, a stalemate in the end yeah he just escapes and it's almost like this creature is bound to this forest because as soon as he breaches yeah. the trees like it doesn't follow him it's kind of like i got the vibe of almost like a mutual respect because when it finally catches up to him in that chase scene he like I, don't, I can't remember if it throws him down it, or if it he, forces he him, It forces him down. Yeah, and he's like kneeling to it and then it just like stands above him like praying and yeah. then he goes to stand up and it slams him down again. So it's almost like you're converted now, like you will bow yeah. down to me. It's like it needs to be worshipped. Yeah. But he's, I mean, usually if people refuse, it kills them. Mm. But I don't know why for some reason it decides, all right, this guy... Maybe it's like it's a straight power move. Like, no, you will submit to me. Yeah, and then he doesn't. Maybe it needs these followers to survive. Maybe it's yeah. like its life. It's force. feeding its power because I think they also say very when they first went to the forest, like there's no sounds. Mm. All the animals have probably been sacrificed. That's interesting you say that because in like the final shot when he reaches that bridge and he can see the road and the sun. I think this is the first time you see a sunrise as well. Because even when it's daytime, early in the film, it's all overcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can hear like birdsong mm-hmm. as he's hiking up the hill. So it's kind of this uplifting finish, um, which was kind of nice for, for that dude. 
he's um he's done his full character arc. Full, and, yep, completed. Yeah. Yep. Better man. Well, <laughs> he, he has arrived. I mean, he's a better man, but okay. You know, he goes back goes back to England with three of his mates dead. He's got no friends left. <sighs> Might yeah. be some questions when he gets back. Hey, what happened to these three friends you went on holiday with? Yeah, yeah, definitely sus. And yeah. something I wanted to, to um, pitch to you okay. was I would have liked the ending to be more related or connected to that opening. Obviously, they throw back to that throughout the film with these flashbacks and um, these like bleeds of reality and mm-hmm. imagination, like you said. But I kind of would have liked it more if... Luke like died to save one of the friends so that was his like ultimate sacrifice which would tie in with the metaphor of a ritual yeah I or okay or give me the other option or if because it's like not alcohol related but being in a liquor store Mm -hmm. maybe one of the ways that he attacks the beast is by like throwing alcohol on it and setting it alight or something like that (laughs) That, that's a bit weak I think that would be too cheesy yeah that's too much that's weak and the first one I think Maybe it's just because it's done so much. I think that'd be too on the nose. Okay. Like too heroic sacrifice. Like that's expected. Like it's he's gone through this arc. And so at the end, of course, he's going to sacrifice himself to save a cre- save someone else. Yeah, true. Actually, it's probably it's probably better or more, not traumatic, but um, serving the story better that he has to live with it now. Like, yeah. Yeah, he's finally overcome that he may have been responsible for that first dead friend, but now there's like three other dead friends he's got to live without. But at least he wasn't responsible for them. No, and he can like have a clear conscience knowing he did his best to save them. Yeah. So, Try and save them. So I'm, I'm completely fine with the way they ended it. Yeah, true. I, I, I backpedal. You're, you're yeah. right. No, I do like that ending. Yeah. Okay. I, I would have liked it maybe if Hutch survived because like I said, he was my favorite character. What was... He was the most like pragmatic yeah, I don't know. Cause assured. I, he was, yeah, he was very assured. And for the first half of the... Well, he's not in half the movie, but for the first bit of the movie, mm. he's he's the only sort of one that blatantly believes Luke that it wasn't his fault. And is like, look, I don't give a fuck what, they, what, mm. what the others say. I've told you before, it's not your fault. Mm. And so he's the only one that's still being a friend. He's like the glue that's still holding them together. He's definitely the most supportive because... He's kind of like unsure and needs guidance and Hutch kind of offers him that. Mm. Whereas um, Phil is kind of passive and Dom is just a shit stirrer. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I just, I just like that that's part of his character. And then as soon as the shit goes down to the cabin, like he switches to being from this charismatic, like he was very upbeat of like, yeah, just take a quick shortcut through the forest. It'll be mm. fine. Like quit, quit whining. He's very positive to... You know the traumatic things happen, and he's a realistic character. Like, okay, something bad's happened. Yeah. Now he just he's solemn. He just wants to get the fuck out of there. He's Mm. like he is scared. Yeah, yeah. It's like when they they want to talk about what happened in the house when they're hiking, and he's like, "No, I don't really want to talk about it because you know you found me in my kegs, fucking smelling a piss. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of all there is to it. Now can we get the fuck out of here? Yeah. (laughs) Like you, you don't need to dwell on it just yet. Focus on getting out alive, and then you can maybe analyze it. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like the scene where Luke and Dom are bound and they kind of have this associative editing, like the match cut of them both with their hands behind their back. And it's like one is kind of stuck in this room and the other guy is this sacrificial offering. That was just a nice, I don't know, it just looked cool. Yeah, okay. When they like kept those together. I like I like that kind of thing. It's like, <laughs> like in Hereditary with like the, the kid being bolt upright in bed and then sitting in a classroom or... 
oh, the yeah. house at night than in daytime. You're just a sucker for a match cut. Yeah, it's just cool. One of the things I was going to say was like that I like that you can kind of see the creature and take it in a bit, whereas like in most other films, I, w- I wouldn't like that. Yeah, it's odd because the first time I watched it, I came out of it thinking, I wish it was a bit more like Blair Witch where you didn't see the monster. It was more, mm. you know, hidden or more alluded to. Yeah. Watching back the second time, I have completely flipped on that. I yeah. think like it's not Blair Witch. It's not trying to be. It's the first half of the movie is it's hiding and it's stalking them. Mm. But the second half of the movie... It doesn't need to. Like, yeah. it, it makes sense for it because it's now in its own territory of like the next to the cabin. Yeah. And it's a good looking creature. I think yeah. it's also a big part of that. It's like when we spoke about like Jaws or even when we've mentioned Alien and things where you see glimpses of the creature until some big scare in the end. But when it's something like this that's not just a big animal or... um you know, you don't know what it looks like fully. Mm-hmm. And because it's something that we're not familiar with, like it's this weird beast with humanoid elements. Like I like that they let you absorb that that shot and you can yeah. like take it in to really look at it. Yeah. It's like admi- admire it in a weird kind of way. Yeah. Of course, too, the personal journey that Luke goes on in this film is is wholesome. It the, is. Given that it's a <laughs> horror film. And it's, it's one of the few horror films of recent times I've seen where I can like actually empathize with the main character. Okay. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's a shit situation and, <laughs> and it deals with some real emotions, but uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's not like perfect and they don't give him a perfect ending, but like what he has is enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Would recommend. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely, would recommend. Yeah, that's about all I have on the ritual. Mine too. So I guess it's time to say thank you for listening. <laughs> Why are you dancing? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not dancing because I'm happy it's over. I'm just imagining the outro theme. <laughs> there you go. How, how, good, how good is that outro theme? Yeah, we haven't really addressed that in the episodes yet, but um, yeah. let us know what you think. Yeah, let us know what you think of the, the outro theme. If it's good, if it's too long, too short, yeah. you don't give a fuck. If you, if you didn't even realize it was <laughs> We there. like it, so. Yeah. So thanks for listening, guys. You can catch us on... Facebook and Instagram, Dead House, Dead House Pod. Mm-hmm. Catch us every 5 p.m. on a Friday for a new episode. Yes. We'll be right back. <laughs>